since we last chatted. The election drama over in the US? Me and Mel were having this discussion this morning because, you know, they had the other debate there. I, I thought I watched, I've watched both debates. Um, the first one was just an absolute schmozzle, obviously. Um, and I, I described it as uh, they, they both scored an own goal each and it ended up nil-nil. <laughs> it was a nil-nil draw. It was a, a terrible. But I think uh, – yeah. and then they both – for the second one, they both learned their lesson about, you know, calling each other names and speaking over each other. And, and then the rules obviously tightened, were, were tightened and that helped as well. Um, but Trump was like normal, I thought. Like he spoke like a normal person. <laughs> you know? I honestly think he'll win. I actually think he'll win. I would have given it to um, the second debate. I would have given to him, to Trump. Uh, Biden, you know, he's, just, uh-huh. he's forgetful uh-huh. and mum, not mumbles. I just think it's unlikely that he doesn't do a second term. Well, it's pretty rare that, that presidents in general don't, don't win a second term. But, I mean, that's – and how relevant is that? It's probably not at all. He would have probably romped it in without this COVID stuff. This, that's the only thing that, that maybe has equalised it. Yeah, but I feel like especially in American politics, right, it's almost like my team, I'm rooting for my team, right? That's, that's everywhere though. I mean probably more so than anywhere in America. But that's what I'm saying about this situation. So basically they're still supporting their team, which was the guys who, who voted Trump four years ago probably are still going to vote Trump again. I agree, but I've also seen a lot of things online about people changing their minds about Trump toward him, which I haven't seen a lot of people saying that they were, you know, anti-Democrat and then changing their mind toward the Democrat. Now, that's just what I've been seeing. So, you know, what kind of bubble is my internet, you know, or my social media channels, channels in and, you know, we can get onto the social dilemma Netflix documentary as well about that, but yeah, like I, I've I've been seeing quite a lot of people, and there's this hashtag walk away campaign. I don't know if you've seen any of that, and I don't know if that was just like an organic kind of mo- movement, you know, like a like a social media movement that just started up. Yeah. You know, some you know, it's obviously someone has to go first, but uh, I've watched a few of these walk away videos that people have been making. So what it is is about uh, previous forever Democrat supporters who've kind of, you know, talking about how they've woken up about, you know, that they've been duped about what, you know, the Democrats are all about. They're not really about the common man and all that kind of thing, like like it's sold. And they've uh, decided to walk away from the Democrat Party and become Republicans. And, and their stories about how they've kind of, it's like a coming out story in a way, and how they've had to deal with coming out to their families that are Democrat families, you know, because they're full on in America, right? Here you could, you, could, you could have a family, you know, where, you know, one person's a, a liberal supporter and another person's a Labor supporter and no one wants to ki- – you don't want to kill each other over it. Well, you know, you might make jibes when it comes to election yeah, time maybe, yeah. but that's, that's the end of it. But there it's like a – it's almost yeah. like a lifestyle, you know. It's like if you've got the American flag hanging off your porch, then you're – Dead set Republican, and you know it's just. And if you're if you're a Democrat, then you're supporting Black Lives Matter, and you know it's just they're, they're the kind of stereotypes. But the, that's just well, their politics has become divisive like that. It's become us versus them. Yeah, it's a it's a team sport, like you were saying. Yeah, it's completely a team sport. 
And I was reading it like, and I still think because they were saying that general indicator. So obviously, the most postal votes they've ever gotten is this year. So they're up to some stupid amount. And generally, it's Democrats that postal vote. But at the same time, the Republican Party has um, record numbers of registrations. So what's going? Yeah. So what's going to happen? So one one determining factor is pointing to Democrat. Another determining factor is pointing to Republican. So. Um, I, I just think I, I think Trump will probably end up getting a second term. Um, in all honesty, I think if he loses, he's not going to be too fussed. Really? Why? Yep. I just get the feeling that, um, uh, in a way, he almost regrets being president. I just think he likes it first and foremost for his ego. But but that he's achieved that, right? So he's already been president. Okay. He's achieved it, but he'd rather go out on his own terms, meaning after a second term. Okay, if he if he loses the presidency, that means he goes out a loser, and that's not what Trump's about. That's true, but even though he's lost a lot in terms of business deals in his lifetime, but it's not what he sets out to do. But he's also about money, and the money is made when you stop being president, not when you are president. That's where they all make bank. Having said that, yes, okay, you got Obama and Clinton going around the speaking circuit, getting paid, you know, half a million dollars to speak for an hour, right? But how many how many conservative organizations are going to be throwing money at Trump to talk? Uh, I see the thing is that the the actual position like universities itself, and, and yeah. universities and things like that they're not going to be getting Trump into to do to, to, to a certain extent, but the position itself still commands respect. So even though they believe you know he's not he's not that he he was the former president of the United States, and that will always be in his tagline. Totally. However. He will still be tarnished if he goes out as a one-term loser, right? Yeah. That's one thing that would be one thing uh, negative against him. Secondly, he's Donald Trump, so that's the second negative thing against him. Um, Thirdly, he's not a very good orator. Like that's what you've got to give that to Obama, his his manner of speech. Sensational, right? His intonation and, you know, he's just absolutely brilliant. Even Bill Clinton can, you know, he's he's, – you know, can command an audience. Trump, he needs a teleprompter. He gives Biden shit for needing a teleprompter, but Trump, uh, the, the, Trump's only good when he's uh, doing a speech, you know, bagging someone. Then he's then he can go, you know, off the top of his head, right? Then he can just pull it out. But when it comes to, you know, proper detail, Trump needs a teleprompter. Oh, yeah, of course. But I don't – look, I think it's also a bit harsh to, to compare him to like, – from a, a public speaking point of view, you can't beat Obama. The man was an amazing public speaker and I don't think you can compare anyone really he still to, is. He's to, to, to that still, level. He's still doing it and he's in the last couple of weeks he's been he's been on the um, campaign trail, you know, speaking out, you know, doing rallies or whatever, pro-Biden stuff, you know, vote, vote, vote Biden-Harris. But he's never he's – got, he's got that gravitas, like he's got that – that pool, like he's very engaging, and you, I don't know if you can actually really teach that. But that—that's one thing. So I don't think even comparing other presidents and former presidents, not many of them had that anyway. I don't think to his extent. Trump has a monotone way of speaking, apart from when you know when he's reading off a teleprompter, apart from when he's bagging someone, right? Then, then his <laughs> his asshole personality comes out, but it's actually funny. But Obama is. I don't know. Is it right to say that his his the way he speaks in front of an audience is up there with you know someone like Martin Luther King? Maybe that's a stretch, but but you know what I mean. He's along those lines where 
He's he he has a what I mean is he's got a rith- a rhythm to his speech. Mate, mate, yeah, maybe not in in his, the severity of what he's talking about, but in the way he actually the way he actually talks and delivers a speech, man. Yeah, and, that, and I think that is that is a probably most of the pull of Obama from when he was running for election the first time around, two thousand seven. This guy came along that just seemed like this. You know Martin Luther Martin Luther King type of style yeah. of person, right? I think uh-huh. that was a major part of the pull, uh, the draw to him. Whether he had substance, well, people thought he had some substance then. I think after eight years, in my opinion, anyway, I don't think he really had much substance. Although I don't think so. You know what I don't get? I don't think you. I would treat him. Uh, you know how you, you you get sometimes get politicians who come across as fake and. Sort of out of touch with reality, like most of them are, right? But I feel like people people were drawn to Obama because he felt he, he, he when he when he spoke, it almost felt like he fatherly was, or um, like a father he was figure bloke. type of thing. Yeah, 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 in a, Whereas, yeah, yeah, in a way. Whereas you don't get that from Trump at all. You know, he, he's not engaging at all. You know, some people are, some people are. It's not an easy skill. Like public speaking is not an easy skill. And even like things like when you speak to people who have been on radio all the time or something like that, right? Like even when you're actually just talking to them, even without behind a mic, even without just listening to them, they're still engaging people. It's just something clearly inherent about them that are very good at that sort of conversation. I don't know if you can teach it. Or I actually don't think you can to a certain extent teach some of that. Well, I mean there are there are speech coaches, you know, people people have that job. So you can – I mean, you've got you've got to have something naturally, but yeah, you can tweak and improve someone's uh, manner of speech, make them practice for sure. Uh, and I, I would I would say that Obama probably did a fair bit of that. And I think uh, Trump has probably just gone fuck that. Oh, I've got no interest. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am I am, I am who I am. I am what I am, and I, and it'll come out the way I, the way it comes out. But it's not like he didn't have a go at like he did Celebrity Apprentice, and he's done things like that. So there would have been some level of We'll call it training. There would have been something because the TV network's not going to put a guy on there who just freaks out. Like, you can't do that. You've got to give him something. I mean, I never saw any episodes of Celebrity Apprentice, you know, the American or even the Australian, but, you know, Donald Trump on there, apart from, you know, the odd clip that they've shown just because he's been president. And, yeah, he's a, he's a natural talking about business, okay, because it's, that's his life and it's all he knows. So there's a comfort factor there. Whereas – Becoming uh, a politician and talking about policy and you know stuff like that—that's you know that's a completely new thing. So you need a teleprompter, you need a speechwriter and teleprompter. Not a nat- he's not a natural at it. Yeah, but you take guys like you know look at um, George W. Bush, right? So they say say George W. Bush, you know, sometimes gets the reputation of a yeah, bumbling, yeah, yeah. a bit of a bumbling idiot sometimes, right? But if you actually go and read some of the people that were close to him, um, there's a there's a good article. I think it's called George W. Bush is the smartest man is the, is the yeah. smartest man you'll ever meet or something like that. If you ever read that, right? And the the guys that were closest to him were like, man, the dude was the dude was an intelligent dude. The dude could he he was a I'm pretty sure he studied at Harvard and stuff like that. Like he did all the things he had to do. But they reckon he was um he he was like a sponge. Like you could talk to him and he'd remember everything, and and he was very good for that. You know, but and but you don't get that you don't get that from his public appearance because it's it's you can make one mistake doing a speech and it gets it gets exaggerated like people that's how you get remembered you know 
Um, I watched uh, Vice on Netflix, the movie. Yeah, it was pretty good movie Apparently about good, eh? uh, Dick Cheney. And it's it's set up to, you know, imply that because uh, he had re- retired from politics, I think, and Bush W um, got him back into as his running mate. And they it's implied that basically Cheney's the president, right? And he, he's run he's calling the shots behind the scenes and and George W is just the face of it because he's just this bumbling dumbass, you know, son of a former president. So they really they really um, play Bush off as as a real a real dummy in that movie. And I don't know, I, I, how much truth was it in there? I don't know. Yeah, but that's why when you read stuff like that, he actually gives an example of why why this is the case and why he's in this and blah blah blah, which is actually quite it's quite interesting to see the other side of it. And I suppose you, look, you can't get to president without some some intelligence. Like, I mean, there has to be some, either you're in, you're either an intelligent person or you're a, uh, an extremely diplomatic or social person, right? So there's you know you got to have something that people are drawn to right so you're either intelligent or you're good at diplomacy right clearly trump's not good at diplomacy because i don't think that's his his forte so he's obviously not an idiot per se but it's um it's you have to have something to get there you can't just be well yeah i mean four years ago he just played on the fact that everyone's sick of politics basically and that's what got him there right because he was not a politician and he actually said it in the second uh, debate with Biden. He said you, uh, Biden mentioned Obama and and Trump chimed in with, you know, you and Obama, you know, you career politicians, you're the reason why I ran, right, because I'm not a politician and I'm not like you kind of thing. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic line. It was probably the best line of, of the debate. But he's, also, he's also not average Joe though, so <laughs> I don't know how you look at it. I suppose like it's a weird scene that uh, a country – that goes on about, um, you know, equality and, and all this in, in the environment and the two people they chose the two old white rich men. And even the third one who, you know, who just lost the semifinal, um, uh, Bernie Sanders, it was just another one. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, that's the amazing part about it. I was like, out of all the times you discuss being different and, you know, being equitable and all that sort of stuff, the Democrats are not stupid. Well, they are stupid, but the, they're not hundred percent stupid because they realised that they needed to throw the diversity card in. Hence, his vice president running mate uh, Kamala Harris, who during the Democrat primaries belted the absolute shit and tore a new arsehole out of Biden for yeah. Biden's policies. But then, um, when when Biden gets the nomination, they put. Kamala Harris as as his running mate. Why? Because you know, dark dark skinned woman, right? Ticks the boxes. Even even though when it was put to after that after she was you know uh, confirmed as the running mate, it was put to her by some reporter about uh, the sexual harassment uh, uh, accusations against Biden, right? And she's been this big Me Too movement uh, proponent, okay. And uh, yeah, you know, and 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 she she had always said, you know, I believe all women, right? And some reporter said to her, "Well, don't you do you believe the women that have accused Biden?" And you know, no matter what she answers, she lost. She lost that. She lost that. Not that. Not that the media really, you know, plays. Yeah. But it's on social yeah. media if you want to see it. And it just shows the hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, 
the tokenism, firstly, the tokenism of having her, who picked up less than 2% of, of Democrat delegates during the Democrat primaries and uh, then becomes, you know, potential um, vice president. And who knows, if Democrats are to win, Biden's 77 years old and clearly and obviously um, in the early stages of dementia, right? That's just not a media beat up, you know, or, or, or a conservative media beat up. That is, it's obvious to anyone with half a brain. So what happens if after, let's say, three years, Biden's not up to it anymore, right? He's got to retire. Who gets president? She, she, with 2% of delegates, could become the president of the, of the free world. Figure that one out, mate. <laughs> do, you want, do, you want to hear, do you want to hear a funny, like what I was reading about, um, oh, well, we delve into... I won't say conspiracy theories, just something like so. someone said, I think they pick the vice president. I was reading a bit online. I think they picked the, the running mate as a disincentive to assassinate the president. <laughs> <laughs> so they pick someone who would be a worse option. I was like, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? Who? <laughs> I love that. Who, who was JFK's uh, vice? It was LBJ Johnson. Yeah, I think so. It was yeah, it was Lyndon Johnson, wasn't it? it was JFK's vice president? Yeah, I think because yeah, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, I've always, I heard that. <laughs> what they always do now is they pick someone as a disincentive to assassinate the president. And I was like, that's actually a very, very interesting call because really, all that matters, yeah, essentially, they become president. So, so like, Pence is well, a worse option, option than than Trump, is he? That was just the interesting like because what I was because really what happened was um because remember you had um. George W. had what do you have? Sarah Palin, wasn't it? Sarah Palin at the time. I uh, didn't. Was she running mate for one of them? She, she, who was she running mate for? Was that in the last election? McCain. No, she, no, she was McCain's. Right. Yeah, and so she was. She was never vice president. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was like, really? She would have oh, been. Yeah. yeah. Well, she would. Well, she would have been. She would have been. And she's there. And I was like, oh, so they always pick so the same with Kamala Harris. So if Joe Biden wins, like she would. She she becomes vice president. So, so obviously, with that theory, Pence is the worse is a worse uh, option than 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 Trump. I don't know a lot about Pence, so I haven't really followed much of his stuff in the last four years. But I, I do. I watched a little bit of the first vice presidents debate on YouTube uh, between Pence and and Kamala Harris, and I just picked up there that Pence just keeps keeps on repeating the line, "The American people." The American people this, the American people that. And I don't know if that's a common thing with um, presidential candidates or, or vice presidential candidates to just constantly, like it's almost one time per sentence they've got to drop in the American people to try and really overdo the fact that they're talking, you know, that it's all about the, that it's all about, you know, the public and citizens and bullshit like that. And, and it, it's totally, it's totally planned and trained. It's not just his his manner of speaking. It's totally, but it's just mm, yeah. too overt and too obvious, yep. right? Just like when when uh, Kevin Rudd yep. was comp- always going on about working families. Remember his his uh, working families bullshit that he kept on dropping in. That was the, exactly the same thing. That was that was probably even worse. Um, you know, working families this, working families that. And how stupid do they, and, and patronising and condescending, how dumb do they think that voters really are? If you're hearing the same word or the same phrase over and over again in every sentence, how long does it take for you to go, oh, this guy's such a fucking phony? 
But that's how they've been. So there's one. So the Liberal Party has Michaelia Cash. You know the Senator Cash. I don't know if you've yeah, seen West her. Aussie, yeah. Do you listen? Do you listen to her talk? No, no, I don't really know much about her. So just go back at go back and when she has a thing, and I'm like, every time I hear her talk, I'm like, this it's it's an advertisement. Like you've been trained to say this. Like you don't come across as sincere. Right. You come across as as just. Yeah, it's like you've been trained. You're not. You're trying to hide something from it's everyone. It's bullshit, isn't it's it? So frustrating. Why can't they oh. talk like normal people talk, <sighs> mate? Honestly, so, and this yeah, is this is it? exactly 100 percent the reason Trump was elected because he doesn't talk like politicians talk, and even after four years, doesn't talk like politicians. Well, he, he probably does have his his ways of you know throwing in pol- politics speak, but you know in the Trump Trump version. Um, but you know what I mean? Like if I if if I was running for politics, any position in politics, I would try to my best to, you know, in a more intelligent manner than I'm capable of now, obviously, and more articulate than I'm capable of now. But just try to speak the way I goddamn speak. You know what I mean? Because the way the common person speaks is the way the common person wants to be spoken to. But that's the media. T- that's also – so so you hire a media team, right? Then they all have one, right? So – your media team. Sometimes I feel like what they do is they they create a persona, hoping that the person fits into the persona. But you should probably create the persona for the person because it's very hard. Because because what happens is you just sound fake. That's that's a a brilliant way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, so so do you know who's done a good job of this? I will give um, McGowan's PR team, mate. They're doing a good job. Whoever he's got in his PR team, they are doing a good job at it, whoever they are, because that's the way it appears. So what they've done, they know what he's like. They know his personality. So everything gets tailored. So when things are go, see, for him, right, when things go off off track, he, he, he still is able, like, it's, a lot of the times he'll roll with it. You know, like the kebab thing ended up being a good joke. Talking about Santa coming in, you know, we're giving you an exemption, all that sort of stuff, right? So when things are a little bit off center, it's almost played into that that persona. And I feel like they do it very good. But then you get sometimes you get other people doing a persona and I'm just like, Do you remember the um the Tony Abbott one when and they were going with the um the the working class man persona and he was out eating an onion and stuff like that? So that that time he took a bite of that onion, was that a planned thing? Like he didn't just do it on a whim. No. I feel like he was trying to be like I feel like they would they would they obviously had set this up. Or did he fuck up thinking that he was holding an apple? Well, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, I feel like they didn't really put him in a situation that catered to his personality, right? So I, I feel like like he kind of just he almost panicked in a way and did that because I was like, who's ever taken a chunk out of an onion? That's just what situation caters to Tony Abbott's personality? A game of chess? I don't know. <laughs> it's not the most. Uh... A bit of a boring But color. that's the whole point. So don't put him into a scenario that requires interpersonal relationships with people because he's not good at that. He seems like a very serious dude. So put him and and put him into serious situations and discuss serious yeah. situations. Don't put him in fluff pieces. Fluff pieces for people who can't do fluff pieces are terrible, actually terrible. It just makes them seem like a robot. Oh, and and it makes him seem really unrelatable. It's like, why would you do that in that situation? Like, all you th- all you're getting to do is people think he's a weirdo, which is like the worst thing you can have as a politician. I think people think you're a weirdo. 
Because then he went into the whole misogynist thing and, you know, he hates women and, you know, that flow-on and flow-on effect from that, right? So this is all these all happening at the same time. And I was like, well, he's just a serious dude. Stop trying to put him in unserious situations. They don't come off yeah. looking good. But same with John Howard really had very few fluff pieces. But these fluff pieces were about things he knows, like cricket. Whenever it was a fluff piece for him, it was either him going for a walk or cricket. That's it. But when he did that, when he did that that bowling, you know, he was playing a, a you know, yeah. it was a backyard cricket game, whatever the hell it was, right? Yeah. And and he stuffed up the ball because the ball was actually sticky and it got stuck in his hand. And there's in they Classic. the media never <laughs> let it go. You know, it was always brought back. And even to this day, you see it. You know, they they replay it. That poor bastard. I felt sorry for him then. <laughs> but uh, but he is see he was all, he he was very interested in cricket and everyone knows he's very yeah, interested yeah. in cricket right but then you get like like McGowan sometimes talks about football and I know he doesn't like football like you can tell from when he talks I'm like I don't think you know anything about football the like, worst really don't. for someone trying to be relatable using sports in politics I think has been Malcolm Turnbull right Malcolm Turnbull supposedly this Sydney Swans fan or whatever. <laughs> Fucking absolutely yeah, terrible, yeah. man. Seriously. He 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 would probably – the only sport them. he would have ever seen in his life is probably polo, right? You know, out in out right. in the, the, the country, Richie's polo day. If that – if he even went to any sporting events or it was all just um, just greets, you know? But he, And he would try to talk like, you know, a common person, you know, whether he was doing a radio interview or whatever. And it just came across so smarmy and so obvious to me that, you know – that you just you're full of it. You can tell almost instantly when they know what they're talking about or not. Like you could tell, like Gillard obviously was a bulldog supporter. She used to actually go to the game, so yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but you you can tell when they're talking about stuff and like they have a, a genuine, almost a genuine interest in these things. But then you get people who don't have a genuine interest and they start trying to pretend they do, and it's just like this guy's got no idea. And and what you don't want is to think of your politician as this guy's got no idea. That's one of the worst things you can have. Once a politician is reaching, you they they lose everyone. Yeah. yeah well, they should lose everyone, but you know they they lose yeah. they lose people that yeah. uh, you know that that detect that easily, and anybody should be able to detect that easily. You know, you got Scott Morrison. He's always got yeah. banging on about his sharkies, right? What's that? Cronulla Sharks, hmm. right? Probably he probably talks about yeah, it too sharks, much, yeah. right? Because yeah. he's a, a, absolute tragic. Yeah. But I prefer that than a Malcolm Turnbull who prote- who fakes it. Well, he called the um the aeroplane shark one. Oh, did he? The, the, yeah, the the Australian his Australian aeroplane is called Shark One. Uh, Mel, uh, Scott Morrison gets absolutely smashed because you know just because he's one liberal and two prime minister, right? And yeah, uh, I find him hard to dislike. He's a likable person you, most most of the time. Right, he's had his, he's had his awkward moments. He has because he's at the end of the day, he's a politician, and every politician does. But I think he's, he's a likable bloke. But his fluff pieces were very bad for him. Which ones? So you know when they start. So okay, so we'll go back to um, well, you had bushfire period when that was okay. Oh right? uh, yes, but, I forgot about that. Yeah, he uh, should not have yeah, been so, away. Totally stuffed that up. Yeah, yeah. got it. So that so things like that when your fluff pieces your fluff pieces are there to make you look good. When you're failing those, like, just don't have – you're better off not doing fluff pieces. So just have just serious, serious articles. That's it. Because no one cares if you're prime minister, your president, whatever, 
is a serious person. At the end of the day, they have a serious job, right? But what it goes, what the worst part is, is doing a fluff piece that goes horribly wrong. <laughs> Nothing worse than doing a fluff piece that goes horribly wrong, which happened to him quite a bit because it tried to turn into going on a holiday with his kids, right? As a relatable person, what it came out was I didn't give a shit about what's happening at home. I'm going to go on a holiday, right? That's how it appeared. So those two things were very disconnected. Yeah, look, in reality, I don't think there's anything that would have happened in the country different in terms of uh, related to dealing with those bushfires if he had been here because it's not his job to hold the hose. It's not his job to tell people how to fight those bushfires, where to where to spend the money, where to, where to put resources, right? That's why you've got ministers in place and heads of departments and, you know, heads of, um, you know, uh, institutions like the fireys, the police, right? That's why you've got all this. It's just what it looks like. That's all that came down to. It it's was just a bad look, right? But w- basically when a country's at war, when a country's in any sort of crisis, people want to be led, Right. People want to be feel want to feel like they're being led, right? And all that is is the PM being on the news, you know, and giving giving the updates, right? They just want to whether whether there's actually any effects of him of his you know that of that leadership, they just want to feel like they're being led. That's all it is, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, how do you put it? It's a bit of a crass way to say it, but people are sheep. And they want to be led. That's that's all that came down to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those, so those so the other one that happened. So then he came back and then he went to go visit the. the I think it was was it um, Kangaroo Island. Yeah. I think. And then he said, "Oh, uh, I think he said something on the lines of, oh, um, so good thing nobody died or something like that.'" And then two people uh, had already died. I didn't remember that part. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was just like, "Yeah, here we go." And I was like, "Ah, oh, man, that's a." Failure, yeah, like you, yeah, you got to know these. You got to be briefed on yeah, this stuff yeah, before yeah. you, you go. So basically, instead of going to look like I'm caring now, he's come out saying, "Well, I didn't even know people died." So you obviously yeah, didn't have that yeah, much yeah, interest totally. in the case, and it's a very fine line that you're crossing. So it's like when you do a fluff piece, don't leave gaps. Like you leave holes, people pick at them, man. Yeah, but that's but that's um that's the part of the joys of being. Well, that's that's, the that's, that's what they sign up for. Yeah. And I suppose the nice superannuation package when you're done. I mean, I suppose there should be some sort of perk to. Well, I think the Prime Minister, will, I think, what do they get paid? About 400 grand a year? It's not a lot of money. Yeah, it's yeah, not wages a lot of money. Be, you know, these guys are at a level where they could go and be, you know, board members of, of, you know, ASX companies and things like that and get paid a shitload more than that. And they probably, they probably do after they, they finish their time. But. You know what I mean? Compared to what they could be putting their their time to, they don't get paid. You know, I think it should be a million dollar job. However, imagine if it was a million dollar job, it would be you'd get you'd get crucified because it's a million dollar job. So go back if you want to see, but this is the the a lot of the times they said like this is why people bring up corruption issues a lot with politicians and how the, the look and stuff because you look at for, so so you take for instance right um costello so you got peter costello around that time but then you got alexander downer right so alexander downer was foreign minister blah 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 blah. right then after he left politics then he started working for i think he was on the board for woodside was he okay 
Costello was head of Channel 9 or something, wasn't he? I'm trying to remember which one it was. But anyway, during the early 2000s, so have you ever read the story of Witness K? No, any chance? I've heard of it. What's that about? Okay, please do please do Witness K, right? So if you want to know about... The amount of shit that, that you give me to follow up in these bloody podcasts we do, honestly. <laughs> Witness K, all right? So Witness K is, is a current case happening in the federal court that basically a whistleblower, right, released uh, Australian, so this was Australian citizen, so basically East Timor, you got East Timor and you got West mm-hmm. Papua, right? Yep. You, know, you got that area there. So basically in the early 2000s, Australia went and did a, um, this is why it's dodgy as shit. Australia went and did some, um, they basically had an agreement with Papua New Guinea, right? So we're going to mine your oil, right? So instead of you getting 80 cents and we keep 20 cents, right? They done it in a dodgy way that basically cost their government fifteen billion dollars, right? So we basically, in a way, became instead of being our biggest don't where we donated most of our money, you know, our biggest aid, we became their biggest. They give us more aid than we give East them. Timor. Right? from that. What actually happened? Jeez. East yeah. Timor, right? So what actually happened was this witness. So the way they worked this out was this witness said, "Well, when they were doing the negotiations, the Australian government bugged." The, the East Timorese government, right, to figure out all their information and then went back to the table and basically said, well, this is the deal, take it or leave it because they knew all the other side's information, right? This is what happens, okay? So they had this conversation. This guy then gets arrested, right? So this witness K, no one knows who it is. His lawyer, while he was at the UN High Commission for Human Rights, gets a warrant searched on him and they searched his entire house while he wasn't there, the lawyer. So ACE has basically confiscated everything, right? They then did a secret trial because of national security that no one knows about that is currently happening right now. Right? This is what happened. The, the thing that makes it really bad is the, the tender for this peer thing went to Woodside, right? Who then went to work for Woodside after he left politics? Downer. Downer, who was that presided over the security intelligence service which bugged the information to take to get the oil from East Timor. I was like, is that not dodgy? It's shit. So he gave them a sweetener to um, pave the way to for a high-paid position when he was done. Pretty much. So basically he he um, screwed over the East Timorese government for their oil, uh, then went back, sold it to Woodside, and then went on the board of Woodside. <laughs> but we're not allowed to release this information. Go read Witness K and you'll be like, well, that's pretty bad. Um and if, you, anyone, if anyone else is listening, there's a little video on YouTube. It's, a, it's like a, there's a little comedy series on, on YouTube called, oh, they're called Honest Government Ads, right? If you ever get the chance, there's, a, there's this it's a satirical thing. That's actually surprisingly informative, right? And there's one that's called Visit Timor Leste. That's basically who they stole it from. So Timor, T-I-M-O-R, um, dash L-E-S-T-E, right? It's 2 minutes 46, if you want to know basically what happened in two and a half minutes, it's pretty good. It is actually awful. Like, I was like, man, that's pretty bad, eh? And, like, you try and say, ah, oh, no, it can't be that bad. And I was like, yeah, it's, that's suspect. And the fact that the, the trial is happening now and no one knows about it, and I was like, uh, that's weird, isn't it? In Sydney, he's been tried for treason or something, the guy, the witness, the witness K. Are you surprised? Does it surprise you? To, to, to an extent, no, but it makes you real wonder. I suppose like you, you put a lot of faith in your government to do the right thing and then, you know, and, and then this stuff happens. 
Yeah, we'll go. Get in. Tell him we're about, tell him we're what? ready to finish the bloody You're episode. You're on Zencaster and Zoom. This is metal just walking in. Oh, turn on the video. Hello, Earth. Earth calling Mel. Yes, there you go. Yeah, I'm here, man. A special Chronicles hello to you, Carmelo. Where have you been? Working, mate, working. <laughs> Jesus. Had a few clients just roll up. This whole thing has been mostly about politics. We've gone through so many topics. We have. You've, you've missed a beauty here. But Berejiklian in there, Metal. Should she resign, Metal? Gladys? Well, no, not really. No, I don't think so. Well, Simon seems to think she should. I don't know. I would struggle to say I think she, she should resign. I expected her to step down from it. I thought it would damage her too much, but it doesn't seem to have. Man, I think everyone's just working out that she likes a bit of loving. You know, she's just human. Everyone needs a cuddle every now and then. So, I think her gender has played a role in the softly, softly approach being given to her. Oh, I think also, no, not so much her gender. Is that I, sexist to say or is it, is it right to observe that? What I mean is if it was a guy, if it was a male politician, I think he would have had to step down. You really? You're telling me if that was Mark, uh, Mark McGowan, do you reckon he would step that they would let him step down. That's say he's done a marvelous job with uh, COVID nineteen. He's only human. I think she's she's fortunate. She's a person that's um, been lucky with timing. Her timing, but it's she's in a COVID pandemic. She's done a good job. The New South Wales economy is not bad, and so she's she's done a great job. So what are they going to crucify? She's actually done not a. She's probably been one of the most outstanding premiers. Yes, but you are held to a higher you're held to a higher moral standard than the general public, though. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're in the bar with American presidents of the past, but did it, <laughs> or or Italian prime ministers either. <laughs> but the recent past. Yeah, see, there's context to everything. The the cultural cultural context. You know what's accepted behavior and what's not in particular countries where this shit happens. It's- the current Thai king medal. Have you seen that one? What's that about? No, so the Thai king, I don't know if you've followed any of this part, but the Thai king at the moment is apparently a bit of a nutcase, right? So his dad died, who everyone they loved, right? This guy here is a real left of center kind of dude, right? So he goes around in women's clothing, all sorts of, yeah, just, just had multiple partners, Blah blah blah. He's just he has he he promoted his dog to lieutenant in the army or something. He's just a he's a weird <laughs> cat, right? That's gold. Apparently, Thailand not going too well. They're not too happy with this dude because the whole pandemic he's been living in Germany, not even in Thailand. Hang on, Germany's just gone into lot, full lot, national yeah. lockdown, and France. Yep. So, so yeah, he's been living in Germany the entire time this pandemic's on. So, like I said, like I said to you before, if you ever feel like the need to see something interesting, go look up the current Thai king. The um the Thai king one though, I went into a bit of a rabbit hole the other day reading about the Thai king because his dad, who was actually very beloved, like they all loved the dad, right? The dad was never actually meant to be king. So the dad back in the forties, right? Um, he had an older brother. The older brother was 17. He was found He was found in his bed. He got shot in the head. So they don't know who did so it. So he, he was the one in line, was he? What, to be he was second in line. So that was his older brother that got shot in the head. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so the older brother was the one in line to be king. Yeah, so it was never meant to be this one. 
And did, was it ever suspected that the brother had anything to do they, with it? They talk about it. There was a little bit talking about that, but they don't believe so because from all reports, he looked up to his older brother. They don't think that – and he never – How does a prince in line to – you know, next in line to the throne get killed in his head, shot in – killed in his bed, shot in the head, and no one has a clue – how it happened or who did they it? They did execute two people who were staffers, right? But the, the right. general rumour was that apparently the kids, because it was the 40s, used to play with guns a lot in their room. They used to shoot the gun out the window. So oh. it is suspected that he accidentally killed himself. That's actually what oh, they think happened. Oh, God. Yeah, it's actually quite a fascinating story. I was like, hey, yeah, that's an interesting one. And he was then the king and he was, he was the, the brother ended up being the longest-serving monarch in world history or something. So he died at 97. Oh, I reckon Lizzie might give her a run. Oh, Elizabeth. Lizzie. She's an amazing woman. She really is, though. She's an amazing woman. Before we get off politics, can we uh, discuss our own um, tin pot dictator over here uh, who's going to lead us to secession? (laughs) Everybody's – Mel's favourite politician, Mark McGowan. Mm -hmm. Can we just talk about what a disgrace he is? (laughs) There's my opinion. There's my opinion. Yeah. Why does everybody think that he's so fantastic? Please explain this to me. Uh, he makes us look like absolute fuckwits the way he carries on about the us versus them stuff in Australia, you know, Western Australians versus the rest. Nonsense. But we brought this up a while back because really at the end of the day, he doesn't care how he appears to the rest of Australia. He only needs to appear strong to the West Australians because they're the ones that vote for him. Why does he not get called out for this? Because what he, to, to the general population, right, the general population, remember what I said to you before that his PR team's very good. Yeah. He's very good. So the general population think he's doing everything into the best interests of them. So it's basically standard us versus them. Maintain us versus them. That's all he's been. That's the status for the entire thing is us versus them. That's what he's still continuing to do, us versus them. He actually said, he actually said, that um, the eastern states wanting the WA border to open up is that they just want WA citizens to um, to travel over east. And he actually said that opening opening the borders uh, is would be for self interested reasons for the east coast, right? Mm-hmm. Who, but who is he to say? Right, but there's no reason for the borders to, to remain closed. Right, none because there's no no cases in uh, oh, fuck. All right, Northern Territory. I think today got four cases, but that's seriously that's that's a nothing. Right, there's no cases in South Australia. Nothing in Queensland. New South Wales is sorted. Right, everywhere is sorted except for Victoria. Right, and even that's getting even that's- right. Even that's getting that's getting um, uh, under control. Right, so there is absolutely no reason for borders to be closed today. Right, twenty ninth of October two thousand twenty twenty. There's no reason for the borders to be shut from WA to anywhere. Right, but he absolutely refuses to budge, and no one does anything. You know what I mean? I, I'm just stunned. I can't believe that that this is this. First of all, it's it's against the the Constitution of Australia. Simon, it's Stockholm Syndrome, I'm telling you. Exactly, thank you. The term I was going to come up with next. It's exactly Stockholm Syndrome, right, because of the fear, right? They've instilled fear in in the population. We need to be led, like I said before, people are sheep, right, and just don't want to think about it. I'm just – 
I can't. I just can't believe it, mate. People are just fucking just can't think for themselves. You know what I mean? Good rant, Simon. Like, who are who are you to say where to, to control or say where someone is allowed to go and spend their money on holiday? Where someone is allowed to go and do business? Right. I was listening to the radio last week. There was a like a, a truck a truckie who lives up in the north of WA. Right. I think it might have been Kununurra. Does most of his business over the border in Northern Territory, right? That's most of his market, whatever whatever he ships or, or delivers, right? He can't do anything. His business is just, a, uh, you know, pretty much shut down for no for no reason whatsoever. It's it's unbelievable. It's I just can't believe that that this bastard is not going to be absolutely smashed is firstly not getting smashed in the polls right i mean i don't believe it's the 90 whatever percent approval rate anyway but even if even if it's 60% approval rate in reality i i can't believe that he's not going to be smashed in the next election right and he's not going to be smashed in the next election he's going to he's going to romp it in okay liberals may as well not 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 bother you know not even bother trying they may as well just save their energy but the fact that that's going to happen just blows my mind that people can't call can't see what is actually going on and what how criminal it is that that he's keep his borders shut it, obviously you can tell it makes me so fucking angry us versus them but it's all he's done us versus them but i, I you you will see him change because he always tends to change when the public opinion starts to turn he does flip flop on a lot of things he's right a so that's 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 actually very, very common. It happened with School of the Air. Happened with um, oh, the, oh, the regional migration. <laughs> yeah, no, that one. They, yeah, they did it on something about the prisons. What was the prison thing? Something like that. And they did something on the prisons. I don't. Um, anyway, so he, he generally, in the public opinions against him, he'll flip. So it, it's it's a, it's inevitable that it will happen. But he did he did give a he, his issue is right. He's been maintaining that once you do 28 days without community transmission, we'll open up. His problem is if we get to 28 days without community transmission, he's going to hear about it. And that's where he's going to have to watch out. So every, he wants every state in Australia to have at least 28 days without transmission before he opens the border. Commu- community transmission. So let's say every right. state in Australia has no transmission, but the only one who's not there yet is Tasmania. The island at the bottom of the east coast. He still won't open the border. Uh-huh. That's seriously. The guy the guy should be court martialed, mate. Seriously. The stance there was that they seem to believe that you can't close to individual states, you have to close to everyone. That's what they're claiming to be. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, that seems a bit odd because every other state had closed to certain states and not others. But nevertheless, that 28 days, so we're at 10 now. So that's 18 days' time, right? So from now, that is three weeks. So it would be interesting to see in three weeks if we get to 28 days and then people are saying, well, you told us this is the case. What's the reason now? So you obviously you don't have a medical reason to do it now. So what's your reason? When's the uh, when's the election over here? March. All right. March next year. He can't go to March. Surely he can't. He can't even go to February. Surely. You also you also missing the 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 perfect timing, Simon. That all he needs to push it out to is till December. Because what's December? Christmas. So how? Oh, now you, you can now you can in, go in and see your family. Think about what. Th- now you can have Christmas together. 
Thank you very much. Now you have a perfect selling PR moment. That's right. All right. Just like the other day when Victoria uh, eased, eased their restrictions, it was like euphoria. Congratulations, Victoria. We've done it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Fine. I just thought yeah. everyone's just gone from pissed off, screaming for the, for the restrictions to come down to, yay, we're all, we're free. You know, we're happy, whatever. And Dan, Dan Andrews gets off scot free. But completely ignoring the fact that metro area, you, you can only travel 25 kilometers. You can't go from metro area to regional or regional to metro. So you, you're still restricted. You still actually have these impositions on you about where you can and can't go. People just don't think about anything, mate. You know, to have, to have these, um, yeah. you know, this domination, do, uh, control over people. Oh, my God. Oh, just, my blood boils. My blood absolutely boils about it. So look look at that plan though. So if I get to the beginning of December and go, all right, now we're open. Everyone can visit their families interstate back in Perth, whatever, right? Now, once you do that, he does not have to do something else because January is a write-off. So you don't have to do anything in January, right? So he's made himself to Feb. He has a couple of weeks in Feb and then you go into election mode. Yeah. That's it. Like easy run home. Very easy run home. No, it makes complete sense. Uh, I'm, I'm a, my personal opinion on the Premier is if it, I think if he gets a string long enough, he will, you know, he'll struggle because he makes these comments every now and then that are pretty outlandish. Like Victoria should give up their GST and give it to us. No, no, Victoria should give us the grand final because we're not getting a fair share of the GST. I mean, we we've got higher we've got higher incomes over here, so they just want they just want West Australians to go and spend their money over in the eastern states, you know, to you know prop up their economies with you know tourism economy. You know, who are you to firstly judge, secondly say where people can and can't go and spend their money? Disgraceful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, but it's all about the the general public. So he just needs. Really, in essence, fifty-one percent to agree with what he's saying. And no, do the other thing. Well, someone made a good comment the other day about him. They go, "Why was Colin Barnett supposedly uh, lost the election? Because he was like had an emperor. He was like he was the boss and he had this emperor theme about him, right?" They go, "What has Mark McGowan become?" Like I said, the tin pot dictator, right? And he goes, "He better be careful. He better be careful because he's following." You know, that's what got, because if you do history repeats itself. I saw him in 2012 or 13 when, um, when uh, Barnett, he trounced it in. Why did Colin Barnett lose the election, all right? The biggest thing why Colin Barnett was, was uh, ousted as Premier is the same reason why John Howard lost his final election, all right? And I'll tell you why. I remember uh, the last election, uh, John Howard, who was he up against? Kevin Rudd, right? Uh, 2007 election, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I went and voted, went with my mum and voted at Belcatta High. Okay. And walking out of, uh, of the school after, after voting, walking back to the car park, obviously, as you do when you go and vote in, <laughs> in Sterling, you, you run into 20 people that you know. So, some, you know, someone we knew walking the other way, all right? And uh, just, just as we were passing, just said, hey, how are you going or whatever. Didn't, you know, not going to bring up, you know, who you're voting for or anything like that. And he just goes, eh, change is, a good as a, is as good as a holiday. He goes, change is as good as a holiday. And that was his rationale for voting for Kevin Rudd. 
right? That's the rationale for changing a particular leader in Australia. You've had too long at the top of the tree. That's why John Howard lost that election. People just got tired of seeing the same person and that's the same reason in WA why Colin Barnett lost his election because people just got tired of seeing the same person. Change is as good as a holiday in Australia. Same, same as Richard Court lost that election. Yeah. Yep. Richard, Richard Court was the same thing. It's it's tall poppy syndrome, right? You can't have too much of a run. It doesn't come down to it doesn't come down to policy, right? Weighing up one person's policy against the other. It's how long can we put up with a particular person being top dog? No, but even Alan Carpenter when he was premier, right? What did he get ousted for, huh? What did he get ousted for? Because he had that emperor attitude, remember? It was always Alan Carpenter's way. That was it. And people got fed up with him. That was it. And the same, Martin McGowan's in there in the same path. But anyway, here's what it is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's only so long until people until people realise, you know, you're, you're, you're smug. And he's very smug. Yeah. He's not, Mark McGowan is not, he's not Kevin Rudd smug. But he's but he's smug. In um, I was listening to the radio the other day. Um, or Turnbull, Turnbull smug. Jeez, he takes the cake. <laughs> Listen, um, seven. Oh, this is the seven twenty. I think. And they're talking about there's a, fo- a guy from Fox Sports was on there, and they're talking about the cricket. And they go, oh, what's well, not fair? West or someone was going, it's not fair. West Australia hasn't got any of the big Test matches. And they say the guy goes, well, with all due respect, it wasn't easy to get the AFL over there. You're not getting any big Test matches. What's the rest of you reckon there's a common denominator there? You reckon it's something to do with your premier making it hard for him to go there? When's the um when's the test series? November. November to December. Why would they bother? Why would they bother giving Perth Stadium off the stadium? They'd have to negotiate terms, negotiate fuck that. Just make it simple for the for the Australian cricket board and go stuff it. We're 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 going as far as Adelaide and that's it. Make it easy. Why would they bother? trying to no- negotiate with the WA government? There's only one reason they'll negotiate, right? Because playing a test in Perth is perfect for the Indian TV market. Perfect. Yeah, fair enough. And you can but- play it at any time, right? Any time, any, actually literally any time from 8 in the morning until 8 at night and it would be fine for the Indian TV market. And that's the only reason they would want to do it. So, mate, would you think that would be better to play in Sydney or Melbourne? That means the Indian market will be at night time and they get a higher nah, rate. See, see, the problem with playing in Sydney and Melbourne is, one, God forbid you veer away from tradition in Sydney and Melbourne. Holy shit. If you try and do a night cricket match in Melbourne, could you imagine the uproar? Like, really? Yeah, but night cricket match in, in, in Melbourne would make it, like, late, late at night in, in India. Yeah, well, this is the MCC we're talking about. Remember that, okay? Oh, my God, you have a grand final it's an hour later and shit is the fair. They go, they go, men, they go mental about a, a, an evening grand final in the AFL, which evening evening footy games happen left, right, and centre anyway. But the grand final, don't don't you touch it. Tr- tradition, no, it ain't gonna listen, happen. Listen, listen to Victorian radio talking about um, the you know having the timing of the the grand final the other day. Oh, people were ringing me up saying, you know, I don't know what I'm doing with myself. We've got to wait all day long. Yeah, no, 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 no. But hang on, no. Easy. No, no I look, I look, listen, someone made that comment, right, That what you just said, but the prelims are not. That's what Basil said, right, when there was this on the radio. Because everyone was ringing up saying, like, my opinion, again, it's my opinion, right, I don't take the whole day off for the prelim, you understand? But I do take the day off for the grand final. 
Yeah, okay. People go out for their lunches. Exactly. And, yeah, all right. That's my point. You know what I mean? Like even this year, I went to work in the morning. I was like, I didn't have that. I'll get up in the morning, watch the final replay, the watch and kick over the river. None of, none of that, you know. It was nothing. Nothing. I think over time, 440 is where it's going to sit. I think over time, it's going to be twilight. Was there no kick over the uh, Brisbane River comp- competition or, you know, kick it off the Story Bridge or something, no? That'd be way too big, the Brisbane one. But you know what I'm trying to say? I was like, I got up in the morning. I was like, yeah, I'm going to work. I went to work. I've done a couple of hours. I do like grand final day, but at the end of the day, I don't, you know, the, the, I don't give a shit. Play it at night time. But like, 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 my point is that. That's my point. I didn't take the whole day off from premium. That's the thing. You know? didn't affect my, it's, you know, it's, that's, that's just how yeah, I Anyway, I've, I've got to go. But, fellas, it's been a pleasure. I'll let you two continue and you can bring up um, – you can bring up a barber as a public speaker with Merdell and watch watch Merdell go and turn the Watch it, listen. The best public speaker <laughs> in the hip. Amazing. <laughs> Take care. All right, Tom. He's the Ciao, best Joe. public speaker. Obama, Take it easy, mate. Ciao, mate. So Obama is the best public speaker I've ever Incredible. Ever seen? I've not seen I haven't seen him. I just listened to him. He could just, he's just amazing. He's a, he's a brilliant public speaker. My God. Yes, yes. We were talking about that before, right? But, uh, does he does he actually say anything of of substance, or is he just good at good at you know good at the rhythm of his speech? He listen to him public speak is is incredible. Like he's like wow, this guy can speak, and the way he, his tones, his the way he holds it, amazing, amazing. You give credit where credit's due. The, probably the best part. No, no president would I would say would speak as well as him. I've, well, so what I said to Don before was. He's up there as a speaker with the likes of maybe Martin Luther King, even. Oh, yeah. Now, is, that, is that going too far? Or is that, is that f- no, no. Martin Luther King was amazing. Like that speech, I have a dream. Amazing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant speech. Not that, uh, not that they pay much attention to it. They pay lip service, lip service to that speech, right? All sides of politics pay lip service to that speech, right? But no one, they don't take it seriously. Right, because because if everybody was judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin, there wouldn't be all this wokeness bullshit. There wouldn't be you would be no need for uh, a Black Lives Matter movement, right or wrong, whether it's been bastardized or whether it's legitimate. You know what I mean? It's just how long ago was that, and 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 what's happened in that country? It's a mess. Anyway, just um, I don't know if you I don't know if you boys spoke about it, but what happened to uh, Darren Jolly? What was your thoughts on that one? Oh, jeez! Wow, that was pretty heavy. Put a different that, spin that, on that. You know what, the you know, I'll tell you exactly what uh, that when I read that um, his post, it stopped me like I, I just it stopped me for a while at, at work. I was just like, my god, and you know, just refreshing. Twitter for updates. If he's yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Is he all right? As someone found him, and you know, eventually I saw a message. He has, you know, and I was, it was a relief. Now I don't know much about Darren Jolly apart from the fact that he was the ruckman against uh, the Eagles for Sydney against the Eagles in the 2005 Grand Final. Uh, I don't really remember him pl- playing <laughs> probably any other game. He was a good player for Collingwood. Yeah, I know, but when do when do I watch Collingwood? Um, when they played the Eagles, maybe that's about it. Otherwise, I couldn't care. You know, so yeah, that was that was shocking. And you know, if anyone 
listening to this is wondering what the hell we're talking about, just do a Google search for Darren Jolly and, uh, yeah, but anyway. He's he's all right. He doesn't put the importance of of a, of a service like Lifeline. No, incredible how good service they do. Yeah, for sure. But it also also the you think about it like if you were not able to have any access to see your kids, what that would do to you, Ooh, right? Yeah. Even even if whether whether you know when when people separate or divorce, whoever's right or wrong, I think is irrelevant to it. You know in some contexts, in this context, is irrelevant. This guy hasn't seen his kids for a long time and claims that, um, you know, they've been he, – he claims they've been brainwashed to to hate his guts. Mate, what do you live for? That That's what he would have been thinking, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? What, what do I live for if my kids, if my kids don't care about Absolutely. me anymore? And you know what? I can see that perspective. I can understand that perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, you know, as soon as my kids came out, came, I was going to say, as soon as my kids came along, like everything else becomes such a, um, you know, we talk about politics and we talk about sport, and, but at the end of the day, it's all completely irrelevant. Right? And you could, you could give that up in a heartbeat because your kids are the most important thing, right? And if you've lost that, right, you, you don't have that anymore. What are you here for? Mm. What are you here for? Oh, Absolutely. There's no question. No question. No, no, no question at all. You know, and and it's just a, it's like all of a sudden, like, well, Ben Cousins is in court over that right now. He's at trial because he couldn't see his kids. Yeah, he's at trial yesterday. He's in. I don't know what's happened because I think he's still going. But and like you know, Darren Jolly on one end couldn't see his kids. Ben Cousins gone through the same thing. Can't see his kids. I've spoken to. It's like yesterday I had a, a client of mine telling me same thing because we brought up Darren Jolly. Because he can't see his daughter, she's an eleven-year-old girl. He goes, "No, I don't even know where she is." This client of yours said that to you. He goes, "I don't know where she is." He goes, "I've tried it." Yeah, he goes, "Man," and he goes, "And not the, the 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 sad part was that this his daughter or his ex-partner there had two other kids with two other fathers, and the two other fathers have been calling him saying, "Have you seen where she is?" Because we're trying to find out where our kid is. You know, even they're trying to find where their kids are. So, so there's three fathers affected. I, I just think um, if anything positive can be taken by, you know, obviously, you know, he's he's been looked after, he was found and he's being, you know, cared for now, um, you know, his, his whatever mental health issues he's got, this is good. And, you know, luckily he didn't, you know, do anything permanent, let's say. Um, Look, and at the end of the day, I suppose putting something on social media is a cry for help of some sort. Okay. So, but if anything positive can be taken from that situation, is that, I don't know, just shining a spotlight on the fact that this happens. That fathers, look, some mm, fathers are not absolutely. up to, you know, because of their character, because of their behavior. Absolutely. You know, they're not up to, um, you know, being with their children unsupervised. And some, and some fathers are absolute freaks. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, some some mothers are tricks, you know. Some, you know, you're not going to question that. But when you, yeah, but when you genuinely see like a father, like or what it sounds like anyway, Darren Jolly trying to do the right thing, like my client trying to do the right thing, being cousins just want to see his child. It, it does, it does, and the way I think the way the the the, the message was written on Instagram was very, it was very pulling at heartstrings, like especially the end where to my mum and dad, I love you. 
to Lucy, I love you, whoever Lucy is. And to my children, please know I always love you. I was like, man. Yeah, yeah oh, for sure. And it's like, wow, I mean, that is a cool thing. Also, help, put yourself you know? in the uh, position of being one of those kids. Oh. You know, I mean, at, at the moment they're, they're mm. you know, I don't know how old, but they're, you know, not even at teenage years yet, I don't think. But imagine if your father left you with a me- going out with a message like that and you've mm. got to grow up with that knowledge and you were you were not allowed to see your father, or you were turned against him, which is alleged at this point, right? We, we can't we can't say you know we can't say his opinion is the fact, but you know this is what he's the way alleged. You the way, the way he alleged. feels about it. Yeah. Imagine that, yeah. you know, like you know, because this happens a lot that you know one parent turns the the children against against the other parent. They use them. They manipulate. Manipulate them to get revenge on a, on on the on the separated person. was bait. God, that's 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 so cruel to do that to kids. You know what I mean? Because these kids can become you know young adults or adults and learn to think for themselves and make their own mind up. You know, and if a parent checks out because they they can't they can't stick in and wait for that. I mean, you know, you lose you lose. Imagine losing watching them grow up. You you lose watching their childhood, and you've got to wait for their adulthood before you can rejoin a relationship. That would fucking suck, you know. Like Jesus Christ. A couple of things that, or some things that we uh, that have happened since uh, our last podcast about a month ago. Uh, the Claremont trial. Did that go? Did that go how you expected it to go? Man, I think we should do a podcast just purely on that, right? Because that was we were eighteen, nineteen. We were eighteen, nineteen. Well, I wanted to do it a couple. I wanted to. I wanted to talk to you about this on the podcast a couple of days after. We just we've just been too busy to to get around to it. So we've kind of the timing's gone, right? So I think doing a full podcast on that is probably is not not much point. But just quickly here, did it go the way you thought it was going to go? Uh, uh, look, I, I think it did, and I had a feeling he wasn't going to get. The conviction for Sarah Spears because well, um, maybe I'm a bit naive or a bit simple or when it comes to certain things, but I think if you're going to prove murder, you need a body. Not not always. I think people have been convicted without a bottle, a body. Correct. And look at the case gone at the moment up north in uh, Northern Territory, Peter Falconia. There's a bit of did he or didn't he or you know, did he really do it? It's a he's been convicted for that, hasn't he? He was uh, years ago, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he was convicted yeah. and the body's never been found. Yep. Yeah. So now we know what, what's happening and I still think it's tragic um, and I always will, but it's hard to – yeah, it would be very hard because you've got to prove it beyond reasonable doubt. That's what I'm saying. So without the body, you know what I mean, the, the defence can call in a million things and say, well, how do you know I was there at the time that – what DNA do you have to prove that I was there? Or what? Right. That's all I'm saying. You know, there, there might be. So, so I'm not saying that he didn't do it. I'm saying is to prove beyond reasonable doubt that, that he actually murdered. It's, it's a bit difficult. I had a feeling that he might actually even get off the whole thing, even for the other two girls, because of uh, the the DNA evidence, you know, and the contamination and stuff like that, you know, and I thought the judge might might have come back with, in, not in so many words, but in saying like, you know, it, it seems pretty obvious that he did it, but it can't be proven beyond complete reasonable doubt. 
However, I'm glad that he did, obviously I'm glad that he came back and, and said, you know, convicted for two, convicted for two, pretty clear for the third, but we can't, you know, technically we can't say it. We can't convict. Yeah. We can't convict. That, that's my point. That's what, look, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, is without the body, it's hard to convict beyond reasonable doubt that he actually did it. Now, but we probably all know deep down in our hearts he probably did it, but without the body, what do you do? Now, the other thing is, like, if you think about it, he pleaded guilty to those other charges prior to going into yeah into the trial. Yeah, that was interesting how he did that. Like, so uh, what they were saying on the the Claremont podcast about that trial was that he might have uh, pleaded guilty to those you know rape charges and and uh, abduction rape charges um, and assault charges and that to kind of create the story that he's capable of doing that kind of crime, but he's not capable of murder. He's not, he's not, he's not actually a murderer. Now you've got to think, was it smart to actually admit to those on his part, right? For his, for his, the purpose of, of his defense, was it smart to make those admissions? I don't know. I mean, obviously that's what he was advised was his best shot. And I reckon that even just for those, um, charges for those convictions alone, the the abduction, rape, etc. charges, that he probably was unlikely to ever see the light of day, even just with those. I actually hope he has a fun time in Casuarina, and I mean that has a fun time in general population when they get a piece of pipe and sort him out. You know, that's just my opinion. All right. Well, that type of thing is probably likely, but if he's in general population, he's probably going to spend his days uh, in solitary. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, probably. Thank you. Well, they'd have to probably because they, someone would kill him. That's what I think. I think it's inevitable. So, yeah, I think someone would definitely <laughs> try. But is it, the other thing is, is he technically a serial killer because he's been convicted for two murders, but is the definition of a serial killer uh, in place for only two murders? Very good question. I can't answer that either. Because I thought it was actually, I, I don't know, I, I'd have to look up what the definition is, but I did I did hear something that he's actually not, he's not technically convicted as a serial killer by the definition of the term. If Sarah Spears' body was ever to be found, then he could be retried because of, um, I think it was new and compelling evidence was the, was Right, so that obviously would be new and obviously compelling evidence, but he can't just be retried, you know, for any old reason. So basically, for him to be retried on that, they have to find the body. That's what it comes down to. Which is why the police commissioner said they'll never give up looking. Uh, absolutely. I hope they don't. I hope they, I really do. But in which case, if he if he then was convicted for for the third one, uh, then he would be considered a a serial killer. The other thing that happened, uh, Dean Jones. Oh, tragic. Great player. I don't remember him playing test much cricket much. I do remember him as more of a, a one-day player. Yeah, you're right. I rem- well, I think his – when was his last test match? Early 90s? He did make it to the 89 Ashes series, I think it was. The 89 Ashes series where he bought a one. Yeah, but I don't th- – Think yeah, he border won that, but I don't think Jones had a great series. I do, I do remember him being there, but that one now I do remember him being there. Everyone talks about the the game in 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 uh, is it Chennai or is it India? 
spatted for like eight hours in the heat and got dehydrated and, and nearly died. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, eh? Yeah. What a, what a star. I mean, basically, he's just Dean Jones. He's just a representation of our childhood. Mm, yeah, he was. Dean Jones. But just what a player. He was just he would just set I mean, go go back and look at some of the um the highlights of his, you know, career. My God, he would just smash the ball out of the park. You know, and you compare it to like look at the bats the bats they were using then to the bats they use now. Oh mate, they were matchsticks, they were absolute matchsticks. Now they're using they're using tree stumps now. Imagine if he had a bat like that, like a, a bat like uh, Warner uses. You know, dare I, dare I even say the name or compare him? You know, David Warner's bat. Actually, did you? Oh, speaking of the test, did you watch the series, The Test? I watched that. Yeah, I've seen it. Was, it. it was really good. Didn't we? We've spoken about this. No, before, I only, couldn't have because I only watched it the other. I'm sure we spoke about the test at the start of this podcast. I wasn't here in the, the first first couple episodes. No, not this. this yeah, episode. but I actually watched it. First few episodes. Yeah, but I actually watched it. Oh, you've actually watched the yeah, whole the whole eight, the whole eight, eight, eight whole episodes. Eight, whole eight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's very good. But I I just left yearning for players like Dean Jones, basically. You know, it just shows like players of yesteryear who had guts and and. And weren't so pampered and and just whiners. What's his? I, I do I do like uh, Jo as a coach, but I think give credit. He's a very good coach. Yeah, he's a great he's a great coach for the modern type of player who needs to be needs to be mothered. And I like how like he was mothering in the beginning, but when he had to show his his back, or like, he was very nurturing in the beginning, but when he had to got his back out of joint, he let let him have it. I, I did respect that. I thought that was pretty cool. And that's like we look at now, looking like soccer now or football, the real football. The, the they're player managers; they're not coaches, really. It's not. No sport is like it used to be, where it was all you know. Every you've got to be hard as nails. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all. It's all changed. I mean, you know, they've got to go through health programs, mental health programs, sports science. Sports science and, yeah, that's ch- that's changed a fair whack of the game. And my, my my attitude with sports science is, well, why wasn't Dennis Lilly always having all these injuries with his arms and shoulders and all that? And then the, the comeback to me is, well, he was not playing as much cricket as what the guys are playing today because there's three forms of the game. Back then there was one and maybe, you know, the 50 overs. Yeah. But in saying that, the guy made a good comment. I was listening to him. The guy come, there's another person we're talking about it with. He goes, yeah, but hang on a minute. He goes, Lilly played for Australia, and when he wasn't playing for Australia, he played for Western Australia. And when he wasn't playing for Western Australia, he played great cricket. So he played all three. So Probably played county cricket. And then they turn around and say he wasn't limited to 10 overs in the game. Or oh, we've got to arrest him because we've got to watch out. We've got to, you know. Mate, he just kept bowling and bowling and bowling and bowling and bowling. And that's it. Like bowlers don't hold up an end for, for even a session anymore, you know. Like it's like eight overs and then you've got to be pulled and, and, and have your rest. Things are different, my friend. Friend, things are different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a good series. I did, I did enjoy. It. Apparently, there's another, there's another one. I've actually got Amazon. I've got to give you that. He's fantastic, Amazon. Great, great call, my friend. Great call, Amazon. Start subscribing to things like you know, big packs of buy 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 things in bulk, mate. It's just so much cheaper. Or go and support your local shop. <laughs> Whatever you want I to do. My, I, I do enjoy supporting my local. To be honest with you, fair enough. Um, Borat, the Borat movie. Have you no, watched that? No, it does not interest me to one millimetre. 
Interesting that you say that because I, I started watching it at the start of this week. So we're Thursday now. I think I started watching it Monday. I keep falling asleep each night. And it's so that's three nights so far. Last night I skipped it. I didn't bother going back. I've got the last 15 or so minutes. It's it's absolutely shit. It's just shit. Uh, look, if I'm going to watch something, and I've said it from before, I don't know if you remember, I've got to get smarter or I've got to find it funny. If I'm not any of those two things, I'm not really interested. Like people go watch. So there, look, there's there's funny there's funny parts, but just overall, I just like like I said, it's taken me so far three nights. It's going to take me fifteen minutes of tonight if I bother to finish it off because I keep falling asleep. That it just I, and and there's a part you've probably seen. There's a part where they set up uh, Rudy Giuliani. No, I haven't seen that at all. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I'm, like I said, I haven't seen that. So okay, so the character is his daughter pretends to be a journalist interviewing him and at the end of the interview she suggests to him let's go in the bedroom to take our microphones off right it's just a stupid way of getting to get him in the bedroom right now he's a recently divorced man in his 70s so if he thinks that he's going to go and get a a piece of tail good fucking luck to him Mm -hmm. right good luck to him now i don't know for what purpose they did this it's just and then just to embarrass him but why like, what are they saying politically? I, I just, I don't know. I can't believe that, that, that they're allowed to put that into a movie. It's entrapment. It's, uh, I just couldn't believe it. Like I said, if I've got to watch a movie, I've got to laugh, I've got to find it funny. Like, to me, there needs to be a true comedy, as in like the 80s or the 90s comedies. Or an action movie, I don't mind action movies. Or I've got to watch a factual documentary. That's it. That's all I'm really interested in. Oh, the other thing I watched well, on Netflix, I watched the uh, David Attenborough, uh, new new one on Netflix, David Attenborough, A Life something, I don't know. Yeah. Very interesting. It's all, you know, mostly about, um, you know, how humans have ruined the world, you know, humans are overpopulated, deforestation, climate change, ice caps melting, polar bears, the walruses falling off the cliff, which has been proven to be uh, fake news basically, but he keeps bloody, he keeps coming back. Look, it's very believable most of, you got to watch it and then tell me what you think. Most of what he says, and probably 99% of what he says is very plausible and, and believable, but more than a year ago, he came out with, I don't know if you've seen the clip, with his, his walruses falling off a cliff and tumbling down a cliff, and he he's attributing it to um, sea, the sea ice melting, right, and they're disorientated or something like that, right, and they're falling falling off this cliff to their death. Now, apparently this was documented like over 100 years ago, right, that, that this would occur, uh, and it's got nothing to do with, with any sea ice melting, and, and populations of walruses are fine. Because I looked it up, because I knew it had been debunked, and he's and then a year later in his next documentary, this one, he's he's put it in there again. Yeah. You've been called out for it, and you can you're perpetuating this lie. That pissed yeah. me off. Actually, speaking of interesting, right? This is another first thing out to you. Did you see the the ANZ Bank's comment today? They're gonna the customers have to be carbon neutral. The top one hundred customers for climate change. Did you say that? What? Yeah. No. They're getting involved in their customers' affairs. They're not going to support businesses that aren't aren't uh, carbon or neutral. 
So what? They're going to cut. They're going to cut off their credit. What are they? I'm gonna just going to say they're not going to give credit to these type of people. And I'm like, really? Uh, really? The bank giving <laughs> the bank giving moral advice? <laughs> I mean, Mel. At the end of the day. Uh, you know, you can you can say, oh well, they'll just wrap up and go to go to one of the competitor banks, but they don't compete with each other, right? The next, they're all going to do it. The top four will all do that. What well, one does, the rest so do. Yeah, the the ANZ's climate policy reveals it's a step away from coal support to support net zero emissions. I was like, oh my god! I was like, you people, the bank, getting involved in issues. Well, you watch this. You watch this David Attenborough uh, documentary, and basically, we're doomed, right? By twenty thirty, by twenty thirty, the Amazon is going to be on fire, like burnt out, completely on fire, right? Even though they have fires in the Amazon forest every year, so I don't know. You know, fire creates regrowth. You know that. I don't know. It's, I, I just don't know. When it comes to this climate change stuff, I just don't know what or who to believe. No, I'm not saying it doesn't. I just you. wish it, I wish it wasn't so political. I wish it was just purely factual. But whose facts do you believe? That's the problem. Well, the problem I have with climate change, right? And I have listen. I'm not saying it doesn't exist or whatever. But what I'm saying is, if you're going to say something, you know, you, you, like it's going to be pretty factual. You, you can't tell the world that that the 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 world's going to be melted and it's going to end by 2020 and you're going to have a drought that no one's going to have any water. Because if you look at the predictions predicted by, what was that guy, the one in Australia on the year? Oh, Tim Flannery, was it Tim Flannery? Flannery. Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. Should there'll be, be no, no rain in the dam. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like you, you make comments like this and you expect me to take you seriously? Come on, you know? You know, the world was going to, like, all the sea caps are going to melt. This is by 2021 and it's like, mate, we're still here. No, it's destroyed us. Is a uh, is COVID nineteen? Not the sea caps melting. I mean, like I said, like I said to to um, my wife while we were watching it, I said, "Look, if if this is all true, basically it comes down to big business, right? And there has to be financial incentive for everything to change, to get off coal, to use solar power, to use you know alternative energy or um, renewable energy, right? It's got to be." Financially beneficial. It's the only way that everything, you know, all these suggestions that uh, Adam Bro is making in this in this film. It's the only way it's going to happen. It comes down to the because that's the unfortunately that's the world we live in. It's an a, a economy based world, right? If that's the right way to put it. That's true. It's very true. And business is only going going to do what's what they're. Um, what they're in- incentivized to do financially. True. I, I don't have a problem with renewable sources of energy. Well, I personally, like, I believe I, I'd rather them spend money in hydroelectricity than supposedly solar farms and stuff like that. That's just my opinion. I think hydro is a lot better. But, or geothermal, I think, because it's there. You, like, why, not, why not nuclear? Oh, nu- look, nuclear is... Nuke, nuclear solves it. Nuclear, nuclear doesn't. Uh, I'm not against nuclear power. Far from it. I'm not that type of person. But the stigma, and it is a big stigma. Again, uh, um, that's uh, right. Amazon Prime. There, some fantastic documentaries, amazing documentaries on Chernobyl. There's one you got to watch. It's called Chernobyl Thirty Years After. There you go. Watch that one, and it talks about how the 
how the Mother Earth has just come back to life, you know what I mean, in Chernobyl. Like, Well, yeah, so Adam in Attenborough's documentary shows it as well. So he actually, I think he starts off and finishes the documentary in Chernobyl and basically say, showing that the forest has overgrown uh, the city. But even animals have come back that had never been there for, for centuries, the bears, the elks, the moose, the, the or whatever, the, whatever they are, the deer, whatever. Um, what else was there? So is it still radioactive? Yeah, it's still radioactive. The fish, there's all sorts of stuff there. And it's like coming back. But they're somehow, and everyone's like, well, how come they're not <laughs> mutating as much? They look normal to me. The wolves, the foxes, all this incredible. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend watching that. That's one thing you got to watch on it. But anyway, that's, that, that does leave a bit of a, um, what's the word? Uh, leaves a sour taste because if that does happen, mate, yeah, you know, twenty thousand years or thirty thousand years, whatever, before it gets back to normal. Oh, I don't know. Well, they reckon they reckon nuclear energy, you know, has no emissions, it's zero emissions, and so 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 every if every country in the world goes to a nuclear economy, the problem solved. Climate change is pretty much solved, S- solved, solved. But. You know all these all these other um, renewable energy sources like um, wind power, right? To cre- to make these turbines, what do you need? How do you make these turbines? Metal, steel, steel. Yeah. right? What do you need? What do you need to make steel? To to make anything, you need oil. To make sh- to make a machine, to make a machine, you need oil, right? So you're not you're not you're not shutting down you're not shutting down fossil fuels. That's just an impossibility. Even even if it's an electric motor, right. it's still got to be lubricated. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, what are we going to use? Canola oil. But then you need to you need to deforest if you need to plant more de- more canola fields. That's why I don't mind hydro, as um, because I reckon hydro is pretty good. But that does that have the energy store? Well, it's 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 water, that isn't is it? It's currently available. I don't know. Well, you look at okay. There's, a, there's another documentary you got to watch. Is the um, obviously watch the one on the Hoover Dam, fantastic. They've been doing that for years, and then watch the one on the Three Gorges Dam in in China. My God, incredible, incredible. So if you got in the Snowy Mountains, another one, hydro, um, hydro and geothermal. Because at the end of the day, solar. Well, the sun we have night and day. So, <laughs> and if, and what are you going to do with all the excess power you receive today? You got to store it in batteries. Battery comes from mining. Okay. So the wind, the wind doesn't blow all the time. Whereas the, the, the water that's stored, you can control the flow. So that's what I'm saying. Like they can control the flow of the water, you see. So you're going to get a constant generation of, of, of electricity, in my opinion. Again. But we, but we, we need, this needs to be at an industrial level oh, yeah. that powers the world, right? So to create, to create hydro, uh, energy sources to power the world. Oh. I can't I just can't see it happening, right? You, you need, need you you need fossil fuels. Yeah. Hydro is pretty pretty impressive. That's hydro and then geothermal as well. So what they do is they drill a hole down so the water geothermal yeah. is is fracking. No, I don't, right? I don't think it's new. It's, fr- it's more using the heat. Isn't that fracking? Fracking's fracking something to do. So fracking's different. Don't they cause an explosion or something? Fracking or Fracking is um, like I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's drilling into the bedrock of the earth, right? 
and pumping high pressure, like extremely high pressure concentrated water into the bedrock and it, uh, and it brings up, uh, I think it's coal seam gas. Yeah. That gas is the energy. You, they, they, they capture that gas. But you're breaking the you're breaking the earth's earth's bedrock, and they reckon that creates um, gas seeping into waterways and so, things like that. So that's um, you know causes cli- uh, not climate causes environmental issues and pollution in waterways and things like that. So, so I just pulled up GT Energy. Fracking is a method of extraction that is used to harvest shale gas and is unrelated to geothermal energy production. Fracking involves fluids consisting of water, sand, and chemicals being injected at high pressure into rocks containing shale gas to create openings which allows the gas to be released. Geothermal is gained by pumping water into the outer reservoirs and pass it through a heat exchanger. It does not have to involve breaking into the geographic formations in the same way fracking does. Okay, so they're two separate things. But So what I described was coal seam gas. Coal seam gas, yeah. Hmm. So it's not geothermal, yeah, fair enough. But 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 I did describe it yeah, pretty much yeah, correctly. Yeah. Um, the cold, yeah, capturing that yeah. gas. But uh, yeah, so look, at the end of the day, it's saying um, what's the word? <laughs> saying that the world's going to have to work out. You know, look, at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, coal's going to run out. That's that's inevitable. I don't know. I just think I just think the solution is there. Nuclear. It's politics, and it comes down to politics that they don't want to allow nuclear because it, it wipes out every other industry. It wipes out because of the renewables is all an industry. People are, uh, are making money. They're, get, they're earning their living off renewable energies, Al Gore. If, you, if, if, if the world switches to nuclear, right, that wipes out the need for these renewables, possibly even need for uh, coal, apart from, you know, oil for lubricants, I suppose. So that's why it's political not to not to allow it, and they play on the fear of Chernobyl and Fukushima. Uh, I think there was one in America once, something mile, two mile, two mile creek or something like that. I thought the one in South Australia as well with the nuclear bombs. But but I'm talking about you know nuclear power plants that have that have stuffed up, right? So Chernobyl and and Fukushima are the two ones you know always referred to. Right, so that's a, that's a fear that that is instilled. They play on that political fear to keep to keep nuclear from coming in and taking out these renewable energy uh, industries. It's about money, right? This is why I say the financial incentive has to be there, right? I think that a lot of this renewable energy stuff is they've cre- they've created an industry. And they've, they've largely duped everybody. They've duped the world to think to make everyone think that this is the way that it has to be done. Whereas I think the solution has to be nuclear, nuclear, nuclear energy. And they've learnt, and I'm pretty sure you could say also with nuclear, they've learnt from the mistakes. Oh, well, well, Chernobyl was just a basket case of mistakes. It was just people's stupidity that was that caused that. But that's yeah, you're right. But what I'm saying, like what I'm saying is. I personally think you can never have too many forms of energy. So whether you have nuclear, hydro, geothermal, wind, solar, nuclear, bring them all on. Fair enough. But if it's that urgent 
for the survival of the planet and the survival of of our species that we need to stop all these emissions, right, and stop the, you know, the uh, average temperature of the world increasing and we need to do it like yesterday, then renew these renewables are not the solution because it's taking too long to ramp up. They don't have the um, uh, the the base load uh, capability of coal. But what has that plus more is nuclear. Nuclear seems to me to be the only option. Now, I also need to leave op- open the fact that I possibly don't know what the hell I'm talking about and I'm just rehashing bullshit that I've heard. That could be true, but nuclear just seems like a logical solution from what I've seen and read. It's a fascinating that the, the, a rock the size of a tennis ball can power a nuclear submarine for 20 years. That's pretty amazing. A rock the power of uh, the size of a tennis yeah, ball. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, so. You see what I mean? You, we need to power this little marble you know, hanging off a beam beam of light floating through space. We need to power that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna they want bloody wind turbines on a cliff in you know oh please. All right, on that note we've been uh crapping on for uh, about two hours, so uh let's bring it to a bring it to a close. Yes, yes. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. You too. Wonder is, is like a, in, in modern philosophy something you mustn't have. It's like enthusiasm in 18th century England. But you see, I don't know what question to ask when I wonder about the universe. It isn't a question that I'm wondering about, it's a feeling that I have. Because I cannot formulate the question that is my wonder. The moment my mouth opens to utter it, I suddenly find I'm talking nonsense. But that should not uh, prevent wonder from being the foundation of philosophy. Going into our common sense, the 19th century myth, which succeeded the ceramic myth in Western history, I call it the myth of the fully automatic model. Man is a little germ that lives on an unimportant rock ball that revolves about an insignificant star on the outer edges of one of the smaller galaxies. But on the other hand, if you think about that for a few minutes, I am absolutely amazed to discover myself on this rock ball rotating around a a spherical fire. It's a very odd situation. And the more I look at things, I, I cannot get rid of the feeling that existence is quite weird. There is obviously a place in life for a religious attitude in the sense of awe, astonishment at existence. And that is also a basis of respect for existence. It has become extremely plausible that this trip between the maternity ward and the crematorium is what there is to life. Here is a tree in the garden 
And every summer it produces apples. And we call it an apple tree. Because the tree apples. That's what it does. All right. Now here is a solar system inside a galaxy. And one of the peculiarities of this solar system is that at least on the planet Earth, the thing peoples. <laughs> In just the same way that an apple tree apples. Now maybe two million years ago, somebody came from another galaxy in a flying saucer and had a look at the solar system. And they looked it over and shrugged their shoulders and said, just a bunch of rocks. And they went away. Later on, maybe two million years later, they came around and they looked at it again. And they said, excuse me, we thought it was a bunch of rocks, but it's peopling. <laughs> and it's alive. After all, it has done something intelligent. Because you see, we grow out of this world in exactly the same way that the apples grow on the apple tree. If evolution means anything, it means that. But you see, we, we curiously twist it. We say, well, first of all, in the beginning, there was nothing but gas and rock. And then intelligence happened to arise in it, you know, like a sort of fungus or slime on the top of the whole thing. Uh, but we're thinking in a way, you see, that disconnects the intelligence from the rocks. Where there are rocks, watch out. Watch out, because the rocks are going eventually to come alive.